Why, hello there. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, got a lot to talk about today. I'm not going to jump straight into the hard news of the day, but I want to instead get on to a topic I've preached about every now and then, uh, and that is uh, our kids and social media. And in particular, I want to focus on Snapchat. Snapchat is a company, or well, Snap, the parent company of Snapchat. Snap has touted itself as a company that is all in for privacy. And I mean, that's why they have deleting pictures. You can't save the pictures and it lets you know if somebody screenshot a picture or a video that you send. Um, and the messages that you send disappear. I mean, it's all yay privacy. Well, it's also frankly been a place that was quite frequently uh, a, 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 a breeding ground for essentially child pornography as Kids and teens realized they could send illicit photos of themselves and they would disappear. But still, those pictures leak out. And there, it, there's a big fuss raised over that. And, of course, Snap has tried to make changes to keep up with what kids are inevitably going to do, as well as adults. Um, but it, it, Snapchat has been a breeding ground for a lot of, of pretty bad things to actually come out of the darker side of social media. Well, now... Snap has done it again. A few months ago, Snap partnered with OpenAI. This is the company that's behind, or the, the, the team that's behind ChatGPT. Everybody's talking about AI. Everybody's talking about artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, where you can interact with these artificial intelligence uh, bots, essentially, and it will produce responses. It's learning as it goes. Um it can do all sorts of things, provide all sorts of responses. It's trained to do some things right, and it's trained to not do other things. Well, OpenAI partnered with Snap to bring a service called MyAI to Snapchat. And originally, when it was unveiled, it was for Snapchat premium subscribers. So if you subscribed to premium features on Snapchat which it needed to have because it was bleeding money. But if you subscribed to that, you got access to My AI. Not mine personally, but a service called My AI. And this AI bot has now been unveiled, has now been uh, released for all 750 million users of Snapchat. And... There are a lot of, I think, pretty valid concerns over content and privacy info. We've talked a lot about TikTok and the amount of information that it gathers. A chat bot, an, an, an artificial intelligence bot that is built in that you cannot get rid of, by the way. It is programmed in and you cannot get rid of it. But this artificial intelligence bot, which learns based on what is input, learns based on what is uh, searched, what features are used, everything like that. My AI can gather a whole lot of information about you, can learn about you based on what you use it for. 
And on the surface, hey, great, you can chat with it. It will chat back. Um, all sorts of great things. Uh, eventually, it's going to be able to interact with, uh, at, at one demonstration, Snap sent it a picture of a tomato garden, and it sent back a, 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 a rendering of gazpacho soup. I mean, that, that sort of thing where it, it learns based on the images you send it as well. Here's the problem. It says it does not track your location, but there are multiple reports that it's actually it actually does have access to your location data. It is learning based on how you use the app. You can invite this AI to a group message between you and friends. You can let it recommend filters for the different pictures and videos that you send. But it's remember it's learning from this. So it is inherently keeping this information. That's a big privacy concern. And there's, there's two concerns here. And there's, there's the, the, the one on the surface, the one I'm talking about right now, which is the private data, the privacy concerns, but there's another factor into that. And one that we need to have this conversation about. Most of us will see this and we'll be worried, oh my God, what information is it taking from our kids? And more and more, when you really study what happens on Snapchat, more and more you need to realize the question should be, why is my kid on Snapchat where an AI bot can take its information? Kids have access to all sorts of social media. You're never going to be able to bar kids from social media. There are too many options out there. When one app dies, Another one takes its place. Remember, Facebook was for college kids until parents and grandparents were granted access and they were following their kids who were in college. And and, and so they left that to go to other places. They went to Instagram where they could take pictures of the things that interested them. Well, Instagram started fine-tuning its algorithms and it really started targeting uh, young women. And a lot of body shaming, a lot of body image issues have resulted from the way Instagram's... uh, Algorithms have targeted young women in particular, but just anybody in general. Um, You have uh, Twitter, which is a constant cesspool of people who pretend to be anonymous or sometimes don't even pretend to be anonymous, who get to say whatever they want. And of course, Twitter was uh, was dominated by leftists who were in charge of it until Elon Musk bought it. But now it's just kind of chaotic in general on Twitter now. You have TikTok, which is run by a Chinese-owned company, which means China has access to a lot of the information that gets collected, and frankly, too much information gets collected by it. You have other apps you may not be aware of. I mean, there are tons of social media options out there, and they all have their own problems. And you're never going to ban your kids. You're never going to be able to keep your kids off of social media. There are some things you can do. You can, you know, not give them a phone at a young age, but even if you do, you can set certain parental guidelines, uh, not let them download apps, have access to whatever apps they do have, have access to their accounts, things like that. But you'll never 100% be on top of it. But is it so much needing to ban our kids from it or just be on top of what they're doing and being in control and being part of and knowing about what's going on in their life and what they're doing. I think that's the bigger question that has to be asked that has to be asked here. If your kids on Snapchat, great. 
that's a lot of trust you're putting in your kid. If you trust your kid that much, absolutely. Go for it. If your kid's on Snapchat and you trust them and they're not doing anything wrong, but you're still not sure, maybe you heard about somebody else in their class who got in trouble for something on Snapchat and you want to monitor. Is it appropriate for you to follow your kids on their social media accounts? What if your kid blocks you from their social media accounts? It's very easy to not appear blocked, but to make sure that you're not seeing the stuff they're putting up on their so-called public stories. There's many ways around that. And we, we try so hard to make sure that we're monitoring what our kids are doing, monitoring what they have access to. But we like to do it from the big brother perspective almost, where we're just trying to monitor, we're trying to have access, we're trying to follow, we're trying to keep an eye on. Have you sat down and, have a talk, and, and had a talk with your kids about it? Have you sat down and had a talk with your kids about why you have these worries about these apps? Because there are kids, there are genuinely good kids out there who make mistakes on social media because that's just what everybody else is doing and they get roped into that. Have you talked to your kids about the serious consequences of that? Are you just essentially stalking your kids on social media? I think it's a larger conversation we need to be having because Snapchat now has... This AI, which learns from your child's behavior and makes recommendations based on it. When it first came out on the premium service, a Washington Post reporter told the AI that it was a fifth, that that reporter was a 15 year old and wanted to throw a mega party. And in the course of the conversation, the AI told it how to mask the smell of pot and alcohol. And Snap has gone in and they've made alterations to the code to make sure that doesn't happen again. But it's it's easy to trick, based on the information you feed it, it's easy to trick AI. It's easy to get AI to start responding to these things. And frankly, it should be a little bit terrifying to you as a parent. I'm not saying you should be scared and you should all of a sudden start hovering and everything like that. But it should be a little bit terrifying as to what is developing in the social media space and how it could be affecting your kid. How much of your child's data is being collected by TikTok, now by Snapchat, all these other apps out there? And are you having the appropriate conversations with your kids to let them know your concerns? Not just stalking them, not just punishing them when they do wrong, but are you actually explaining to them why you have these concerns? If not, I think you should be. All right, your calls, your thoughts on uh, the KPL app, 232-1542. However you want to reach out, we'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Yeah, so part of the reason that, that this particular subject means a whole lot to me, one, I spent, again, uh, almost 10 years in uh, in a classroom teaching. Uh, and I, I grew close to a lot of kids. And a lot of those kids did make mistakes on social media. And, and, and some of them would tell me about it, and they, they did regret those mistakes. But also, I have an 11-year-old, and we, we've given her a phone. Now, she doesn't have access to it all the time. In fact, she rarely has access to it. Um, when she, uh, she first got it ahead of a... Uh, a convention or something other that she was going to during school hours. 
and gave it to her so that she would be able to reach me because uh, it was at the Cajun Dome. And so she would be able to reach me uh, when it was time to pick her up, things like that, this is, you know, right around the corner from here. Um, and she and her friends took pictures. You know, she took, has memories of it and everything, but there's no apps on there, uh, not letting her have access to apps. She also takes it with her when she goes to my in-law. She goes to the farm with her grandfather, uh, spends a lot of time there. And, ju- you know, just in case of emergency and, and, and they get separated or he has an accident or something, she's able to call out from there. And I, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier, somebody who doesn't have kids, and he's like, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I feel for people who have parents that are, who are parents that have kids growing up amidst all this, because you know, especially you know, people in in our age range, we grew up with all these. We grew up at the beginning of the era of social media. We know how quickly these social media innovations. Uh, can can be twisted into something that's really not what it's intended for and with how fast technology is advancing it is uh, quite easy for something to be twisted horribly beyond what it was intended for plus and this is not this is going to sound not serious but i mean it a lot more serious than it sounds ai is robots that are learning from people it's not a robot that's teaching itself. It is being fed information by people. Everything on the internet is gross and perverted. We're going to have a bunch of supposedly self-thinking robots that have studied up on all sorts of points. We're going to have perverted robots. That sounds like a joke, but I'm being 100% I'm being 100% serious. It's not that difficult to trick AI into start into talking about inappropriate content, sex, sexuality. When the, the AI is rendering images and things like that, it starts rendering images of nudity, things like that. There are plenty of AI generation apps. You give it a description, it will give you nudity. I mean, it will give you sexuality and things like that. We're, we're raising an army of perverted robots. Because it's learning from the internet. It's not learning to teach itself. It's learning from the internet where horrible, horrible things are posted every day. And our kids are going to be caught up in all that. And it's going to be so easy to be able to twist these things and and make them just a a lot worse than they were. I was joking with somebody about it. People are worried about the robots taking over. I'm worried about perverted robots. That's my big worry. Anyway. 232-1542 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. When we get back, I kid you not when I say this, Russia bombed itself. So clearly the war is going great. Let's talk about the war in Ukraine, what's going on there. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. I did have somebody send me a message uh, during the break. Joe, I did not expect you to go the, the route you did. At no point was I worried about perverted AI. But now I can't stop thinking about it. Listener, you're absolutely welcome. Because my job is to inform you. 
even if it's informing you of something you may not have thought of. But I have to make you aware. Perverted robots are the real threat. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. I have to jump to this. Because this is funny, but it's also... It also pretty well explains where we're headed on the the global track that we're on. Russia accidentally bombed itself yesterday. A Russian pilot accidentally dropped a massive bomb, not nuclear or anything, but dropped a massive bomb on its own border city of Belgorod. Now, Belgorod is on the border with Ukraine. It has taken a lot of of fire from bombings. And the Russian military has been blaming Ukrainian UAVs for the bombings. But yesterday, nighttime for them, but yesterday, a massive bomb was dropped on a street in Belgorod. And it... It's a bomb where it hit the ground. You could see the debris from where it hit the ground, but it didn't explode at first. The point of that particular bomb is to kind of bury into the ground. It'd be a delayed explosion. And it was a big explosion, left like a a 60, 70-foot hole crater in the street. But the Russian military came out and said, no, that wasn't Ukraine. That that was us. One of our pilots mistakenly dropped that bomb on our own city. And they, they haven't really said anything else about the circumstances around that. And on the one hand, it's funny, although people were hurt in this and, and it did kind of destabilize a whole apartment complex. If you watch the video, I, I included, so I wrote about it, Reddit, wrote about it, Substack, Joe Cunningham show I included a screenshot on Substack. But there's a link right above it to a tweet that has the video. And you can see it's a massive explosion actually sends a car on top of a nearby building. That's how big the blast was. Flips a car high into the air on top of another building. Thursday's blast, the weapon was apparently set to explode with a small delay after impact to hit underground facilities, according to CBS News. The explosion followed the crash of a Russian war plane next to a residential building in the port city of Yeysk on the Sea of Azov that killed 15 people. Yeysk hosts a big Russian airbase with warplanes flying missions over Ukraine. Military experts have noted that the number of Russian military flights have increased sharply during the fighting. So have the crashes and accidents. Military analysts are comparing what Russia has been doing, what their strategy has been, to the Russian strategy in World War I. They just use all of their resources and all of their men and just throw it at the enemy just to basically wear them down. But they're not really showing much in the way of results for it. Uh, As a colleague of mine, uh, Strife at Red State yesterday mentioned in his weekly update on the Ukraine war, Russia's winter offensive appears to have fizzled. And Ukraine is in the process of launching a counteroffensive now. Russia has not been able to achieve its goals, which was largely pacifying the Donsk region. And now Ukraine is on a counteroffensive. Some of the leaked documents that were that the idiot uh, uh, Air Force guardsman uh, 
leaked on Discord, some of those documents included uh, a strategy by Ukraine to stage attacks on Russian assets in Syria, which uh, Turkey, being in the area, said, hey, that's a great idea. Try staging it from these areas so it looks like local militant groups and not anybody related to us. But the fact of the matter is Turkey's fine with it because Turkey wants Syria to be weakened so that Turkey can be stable in that region of the world. And that is a blow to Russia. Russia's not doing well in this war. Russia's basically picking up whoever they can off the street, putting a uniform on them and putting them in in planes. And we're seeing a massive number of crashes. We're seeing accidents like the bombing of their own city. We're seeing all of this because Russia is just throwing whatever resources they can. They have Cold War era tanks that they are dusting the mothballs off of and trying to get back into working order. Ukraine has the same thing, but they don't have the military and resources that Russia had. And military is starting to get some equipment from the Western world, including American tanks later this year, apparently. Everybody thought this would be a quick thing that Ukraine would eventually give in. They'd have to fold. They just did not have the resources. And Russia is largely incompetent in this war. Russia's not doing a good job here. The war has managed to show that Russia's military, which was thought to be a pretty impressive force, is actually a paper tiger. More than anyone was ever willing to admit. We're on the 60th week of this conflict, and it seems like Russia's no closer to its goals than it was in the early part of the war. Now, here's where we get away from the localized aspect of this, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and get to the global aspect. Because we're starting to see China work with Russia. We're starting to see China support Russia, uh, sign deals with Russia. China's getting involved. Now, originally, the foreign policy apparatus of the United States and for most of the world, everybody agreed that we were essentially in a bipolar world moving to a tripolar world. The bipolar was the U.S. and Russia and their own allies on either side. China was an emerging force in all this, about to make this a tripolar world. But Russia has shown itself to be very weak, and China has been rising a lot faster than we originally thought. And so now... It appears, and I'm no expert on foreign policy, but it appears to the naked eye that China is essentially usurping Russia's place and Russia is becoming not a vassal state, but not the leader of a potential alliance between the two. The more subservient role, because Russia needs a heavy hitter to back it to make itself continue to look strong, because it does not look strong in this conflict with Ukraine. If China is seeing Russia's struggles in Ukraine the way I'm seeing it, the way the world seems to be seeing it, they've got to be worried. That's why they're becoming more aggressive in their anti-U.S. and anti-Western efforts. China and Russia represented two global powers that wanted to push the U.S. and its allies, wanted to push Western influence out of their spheres of influence. But Russia is showing itself to be, frankly, incapable of doing so. And so now China's picking up the baton for both and running with it. And they're signing deals with Russia to keep them on board. They are uh, moving 
into Central and South America to uh, work with the BRIC nations and others in order to uh, undermine the U.S. dollar. China is becoming more aggressively anti-U.S. and more aggressively anti-West to build itself up as the other power in this bipolar world. And I've mentioned before that this is really a weakness of the Biden administration. The Biden administration has not taken China seriously at all. And so China has been able to amass this power and influence unchecked through the years of the Biden administration. This is all getting into the weeds of the general conflict, which again is between Russia and Ukraine. But it's important to know how this regional conflict is affecting the global power. Okay, see, I'm more and more convinced that the U.S. foreign policy apparatus, the the people who pay attention to these sorts of things, they've always focused on Russia. They've always seen Russia as the big threat. And so the people, the neocons and the foreign policy folks who are on the left even, all pretty much came to the agreement that, yeah, we should just throw as much money at Ukraine as possible, not because of any corruption or anything like that, But if we just keep throwing money at Ukraine, we don't actually care about Ukraine, but if the more money we throw at Ukraine, the more money Russia is going to have to spend, the more resources they're going to have to throw at Ukraine, which ultimately weakens Russia. That's been their goal. That's been their strategy here. But in the process of doing that, and with Joe Biden not taking China seriously enough from the get-go, what's actually happened is they've inadvertently created a power vacuum that China is now stepping in to fill. And so if you want to know why China is suddenly a geopolitical threat over the past year, China has their influence has grown exponentially because they have taken advantage of that void. That we see from Russia being unable to win a war against Ukraine. It's a lot easier for Xi Jinping to sit there at the top of the world in the east and say, We're going to push the U.S. and her allies out. We're going to push back against the West. We are going to focus on our nation. We're going to be the best. We're going to influence others to undermine the U.S. dollar. They won't be the reserve currency. We're going to make the yuan the uh, reserve currency of the world. We're going to supplant the U.S. as the dominant force. And because of that, because of that, and because the Biden administration has done nothing to stop China, I mean, hell, they let a uh, a spy balloon fly over the uh, over mainland America and did nothing about it till it crossed the other side of the country. And now we know just the level of information they were able to collect with that balloon. Biden did nothing about that except have some strong words. Biden has done nothing about China's aggressive anti-U.S. actions. And I'm not a neocon in any way. I don't want war or conflict with China. But I do want, from that almost nationalist perspective, I do want America to stand up for itself and protect its interests. And the Biden administration is not interested in that. And because Biden's been okay with throwing all this money at Ukraine, but not in any way making sure to undermine the next big power that would step up, the next big anti-U.S. power that steps up to fill that void that Putin is leaving behind because he's been incompetent in all this. Because Biden's not doing that, he's now allowed China to take a dominant role 
on the global stage. And that's not a good thing. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can send a message through the KPL app chat. We'll wrap up the show in just a moment after this, what Rush would call an obscene profit timeout, right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. You guys are kind of quiet today, but it is Friday. I can understand being a little bit tired. I am frankly exhausted. Glad for the weekend to uh, be here. Why is my... That's weird. The outro started playing. That wasn't supposed to happen. It's not time for that yet. I still have three minutes. Stupid computer. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, so there's a uh, there's another story that's brewing right now, and I mean it, it's been brewing, but it, it's taken a turn. Donald Trump has really raised the stakes on his attacks on Ron DeSantis. And any resident of Florida or any outside observer of Florida knows that these attacks are lies. In a statement he released today, It was all about trashing DeSantis. He claims that DeSantis has made Florida one of the least affordable states, raised taxes by $1.5 billion, made it one of the worst states to work, retire, raise kids, uh, made it one of the worst states on crime, rent, giving birth, dying, being a cop, teaching, paying energy bills. Uh, He lied about uh, how good he did during COVID because they just made the numbers up. All the attacks that the left has been throwing at DeSantis, Donald Trump is now throwing at DeSantis. This is coming at a time when earlier today there was a poll that showed that in Michigan, Ron DeSantis beats Joe Biden, but Trump would lose to Joe Biden in Michigan. That's something to be aware of. Trump is reacting to any poll that comes out that shows DeSantis doing better against Joe Biden than he does. Right now, all the polling shows that Trump has a lead over DeSantis in a primary. It's anywhere in the neighborhood of like 8 to 15 points, depending. But when a poll comes out that shows that DeSantis performs better against Biden than Trump would, Trump loses it. And he's been losing it on DeSantis a lot lately. He has taken the side of Bud Light. He's taken the side of Disney. He's now attacking Ron DeSantis for COVID and blaming him for all the things that, frankly, his administration did. His administration pushed for the closures and everything like that. His administration is the administration that gave Anthony Fauci, so much power. But he's attacking DeSantis on all this. And there are a lot of people on the right who are starting to say, what's different between Trump 
and a Democrat in these attacks. And it's turning a lot of people off. If Trump's your guy, if Trump's the guy that you want in 2024, people like you are starting to get turned off about this. Something to keep an eye on. All right, that's it. I'm out. Out for the weekend. I will be back on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast version of this episode will be available in just a matter of minutes here on joecunninghamshow.substack.com and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. I'll be back. Shannon is going to be on offsides here in just a moment in a bridged version because we've got UL Baseball against Jay Madison later today. You guys have a great weekend. Talk to you soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.